as we continue through Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. <clears throat> as we conclude chapter 7 this morning, once again, Paul's concern shifts to different groups within the Corinthian church. They were, it's, it's an interesting thing to me, they were questioning Paul about certain things about marriage and singleness and whether a, 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 if you were married, should you leave your spouse because it's better to be single? If you're single, should you get married because it's better to be married? And they had all these little things they were concerned about. And <clears throat> Paul is stressing to them the importance of just being who they were. That ever how God called you, whether single or married, stay that way. That you're no more spiritual because you're married or you're no more spiritual because you're single. That ever whatever state God has called you in. But I, I thought it was interesting. What is it that gets them away from the, 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 the weightier things and into these matters that... Paul is having to deal with about marriage and singleness. And, and it, I think it goes all the way back to what happened to them, what Paul talks about at the very beginning of the letter. They have moved away from the message of the cross, the message of the gospel of Christ. And when you do that, you, we have a tendency to, to, to get into things that, I'm not going to say they're not important, but they're not as important. And these were things that were hindering their growth in growing and what they were doing. So in this concluding passage of chapter 7, the focus begins with single people uh, who have never married. Look at verse 25. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give you my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if, you, if, if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. <laughs> Thought I'd pause right there. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they have none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. So the, the particular issue here of, of the word betrothed, there in verse 25, and some of yours, uh, translations may say virgins, and it, it, ref, it reflects. It probably reflects the situation that was found in first-century culture. Uh, a single person, particularly a single young woman, their parent or guardian was the one who decided when or if they would get married, 
And so they, they have asked Paul about this. Should we allow these young women, you know, I, I have a daughter, I have a young daughter, I have a young guardian. Should I allow them to get married in light of all of these things going on? But listen, the, the, the verse right there that made us all kind of chuckle. It's not, that's not what Paul means. He's not saying that if you get married, you can expect to have a lot of trouble. We all know that's true. It, it, it's interesting. The other night, uh, I don't know, we were going somewhere, riding in the trip pickup truck. Cindy was reading this, and she just started laughing. And I said, what are you laughing at? And she read that verse. And so I said, well, I find it interesting that she would laugh at that verse. But... But you see, what was going on in Corinth was they were not very far away from the intense persecution that Nero was going to bring upon the church there. And this is the backdrop of what Paul's talking about here. Okay, so the, the, these people, they're, they're asking here. In light of the situation, in light of what we see coming, in light of what you have told us about, Paul, should, should we get married? Should we uh, become single? Should we stay single? What's going on? Should I let my young woman marry? Should I let my young guardian marry? And so they had asked Paul whether what they should do in regards to their children. And his answer there in verse 26, he says, I think that in view of the present distress... It is good for a person to remain as he is and in light of the present distress. Now, the word good there that Paul uses when he says it is good for a person to remain as he is doesn't carry the idea of moral good versus evil, but rather of a, a sense of a wise course of action to stay as they are. And, and Paul is probably referring to the immense persecution and the view of being in the last days. Paul's words would, would be relevant to every generation of believers. When persecution comes, when hard times come, Paul said, it's better to not have to worry about anyone else. You know, Jesus himself, when he was talking about uh, the, the coming tribulation, and, and he says, you know what? Let those who are on the rooftops not go into the house and pray for those who are pregnant or with child during that time. He said, pray that you're not. And, and Paul here is saying, look, in, in light of the coming persecution, and, and let me just stress to you this morning that we here do see the coming persecution of the church in America coming. So these words are relevant for us. And, and Paul is just simply saying that, that as a husband and a father, that when that persecution comes, if I'm single, I don't have to worry about anybody but me. I don't have to worry about a, a wife. I don't have to worry, is she okay? And what's she going to do? How am I going to take care of all these uh, and now, now, Paul's not saying that it's better to be single. Okay, We need to understand this. Paul is not elevating singleness above marriage or marriage above singleness. He's not doing that at all. He's not elevating one above the other. But Paul's words are, are relevant to every 
generation of believers, but there have been times and specific places where the intensity was particularly strong and first century Corinth was an example of this. Not long after this letter was written, as I said, Nero would engineer the, the, one of the greatest persecutions the church has ever seen. And many of these believers in Corinth are going to suffer intensely because of this. All right. So Paul's point is, in view of the times, to remain uh, single uh, will free them from anxieties. Uh, not worrying about family members and how they're getting along and what you're going to do with them. And in order to keep our lives focused on what matters, most of the sorts of decisions that have to be made about marriage need to be reached within the perspective of the heavenly kingdom. Let me tell you something that you may not know. Marriage is not forever. Did you know that? In heaven, Cindy will not be my wife. I will not be her husband. <laughs> Marriage is a temporary thing, gift that God has given us for this world. And for us to live our lives as if marriage is the most important thing. Now, don't get me wrong. Marriage is extremely important. But for it to be the reason for my living, the reason that I do what I do, Paul says, don't do that. But on the other hand, being single is exactly the same way. Paul says, you're not going to be single. Singleness is not forever. In another book, Paul says that he has espoused us to one husband, Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And so singleness and, and marriage are both temporary things. There in verse 27, he says, Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek, uh, do not seek a wife. This is the principle of staying where you are because of the crisis. Because a, a time of crisis, Paul says, is not an easy time to all of a sudden change your lifestyle. You know, you, you go all these years and you have a wife or a husband there and you depend on them and you love them and you care for them and you care for each other. And then you say, well, all of a sudden in a time of crisis, well, I'm going to put away my wife. I'm going to put away my husband. And there you are all alone. And he said, that's not the time to be doing this. Uh, <clears throat> a married man's troubles there in verse 28 will be greatly multiplied in a time of hostility and persecution. Okay? So when Paul says there, yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. Listen, he's not talking about the fact that you and your, your spouse have issues or, or, or this or that. He's not talking about that. I'm positive, Tim. <laughs> But during a time of persecution, during a time of trouble, during a time when the world's in turmoil, your troubles are greatly multiplied. Listen, let me tell you something about married people that I have learned. You know what marriage is? It's two sinners who know how to forgive. That's all marriage is. It's two sinners that live in the same house that know how to forgive. 
Did you know that? I'm going to tell you, if you don't, you have no choice in the first part. Okay? You are a sinner. You do have a choice in the second part. And if you do not know how to forgive, that's where a lot of things, marriage problems come. Okay? So this is not what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about this in light of the coming trouble and the coming uh, persecution in the world. Uh, and there in verse 29 through 31, Paul could be referring to the soon coming of Christ. <clears throat> or to mean that we need to understand that, that our time here on this earth is brief. You know, the, the Apostle James tells us in his book, he says, Don't you know that your life is a breath? It's here and it's gone. It's a, it's a puff of wind. You know, suppose you live to be 100 years old. You know, somebody told me the other day, they sent me a text and said, Welcome to middle age. Now, I just turned 60, so I'm obviously going to live to be 120. But you know what? what? You know if I did live to be 120? I mean, think about Jim, what's his name in the book of Genesis? Lived, lived forever. Methuselah. The old, as far as we know, the oldest living person that's ever lived. No matter how long your life is in this world, it is but a breath compared to eternity. And Paul says in verse 29, this is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. Now, he's not saying that I need to go and live my life and just ignore Cindy like she's not even there. That's not what he's talking about. Uh, he says, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. It's going away. I am not to base my life on whether I'm married or whether I'm single. I'm not to base my life. My, my identity is not to be found in the fact that I'm a husband. My identity is not to be found in the fact that whatever my job may be. My identity is to be found in Christ and Him alone. And this is Paul says they, that they need to do this. And again... Paul is not saying that singleness makes a person more spiritual than marriage. He's not elevating one above the other. But Paul, uh, he wants his, reader, his readers to be realistic about life. Christians know that this world and everything in it is fragile and temporary. And we must beware of settling down too comfortably or holding on too tightly to anything in this world. Now, that can usually when we say that, when we hear that, we think about possessions, we think about money, we think about uh, cars and houses. But what Paul's talking about are people, spouses. <clears throat> we need to be careful that we don't make, you know, now I'm going to tell you, I, I, I love this woman right here. I love her like I love nobody else on the planet. But I cannot allow, and she cannot allow, our lives. My, she is not the source of my joy. Christ is. She is not the source of my happiness. Christ is. She's not the source of my fulfillment. Christ is. 
And the same with her. That's what that's the way it has to be. We cannot hold on too tightly to things in this world. Uh, and, you know, verse 29 be there. You know, it's been greatly misused through the years and abused. Paul is simply saying that those who are married recognize that it is not forever. They are not to build their whole lives on marriage because, you know, whenever I marry somebody, you know, one of the things I always ask, tell them. Till death do you part. Death separates and ends marriages. And so Paul, this is what he's talking about here. We must be aware, uh, beware of settling down with this. Marriage is not a part of the new creation. It's a wonderful gift of God, but for this world only. And in verses 30 and 31, he talks about mourning. Those mourning as though they had not mourned and rejoice as though they weren't rejoicing. Those who buy as though they hadn't us go. One of the, the point Paul's trying to make here is, is something that we all must learn. Nothing in this world is permanent. Nothing. Every one of us could wake up tomorrow morning and every dime you own in the bank could be gone. Did you know that? In an instant, there are several scenarios, that can, and if you don't believe that, I can show you several nations that have lived through that. But the point is, what do we depend on? What do we, what do we look to to bring us happiness and fulfillment? We all love to be happy, but to build your life solely on that basis, you know, that I'm going to do what makes me happy. That is one of the most self-centered things we could do. And what is true love? You know, Paul, uh, one of the things about marriage is that marriage is, does away with self-love because it's the giving away of yourself. When we come to Christ, what Jesus did for us, let's back up. What Jesus did for us was he gave himself for us. And you know what he said to us? He said, I love you. When I come to Christ and I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in him as my Lord and Savior and say, Lord, I love you. I am giving myself. This is why Paul said, I die daily. This is why he's already told us twice in this one letter, don't you know that you are not your own? You've been bought with a price. I don't belong to me. So to, to, to live your life and do what makes you happy is the basis of total self-centeredness. Uh, the things we own, the things we use, the trade and commerce, the relationships, they're all part of this world, and they are given to us by God and His goodness, but they are not ours to keep. They're not ours. We don't own anything. Did you know that? If you are a well, not just a believer, did you know that nobody on this planet owns anything? They own nothing. The one who does own it could take it away in a moment. The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. This wife that he has graciously given me, he could take away at any moment. 
Every breath we, that we breathe, as, as Vody Bauckham says, have you ever thought about the fact that every breath you take, you're breathing in mercy? And so Paul is saying, don't get attached to these things. Don't let all of these things that the world has, even the good gifts that God has given us, don't let them be the basis that, of which you live your life. If we become engrossed in the things of this world, we'll end up worshiping the created things rather than the creator. You know, I've seen couples do this. I've seen husbands that just worship the ground their wife walks on. We use that as an expression, but I have seen men actually do that. I have seen women actually do that. And I want to tell you something. That's wrong. I don't want her worshiping me. I want her worshiping God. Because I could be gone in an instant. We are, as believers, we are not to be absorbed by what this world, not just the things of the world, but the, the, the system of the world. When John tells us in 1 John, do not love the world or the things of the world, he's talking about, when he talks about the world, he's talking about the world system, the way the world thinks. He said, don't love uh, the, what's, what goes on in this world. Look at verse 32. I want you to be free from anxieties, Paul says. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided, and the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. The, nothing in this world is permanent. We need to understand that here Paul pursues his rationale that the single person stays single because they have no other attachments. They can devote themselves solely to the Lord. And the preaching of the gospel, the living out of the gospel, for one person who is single is much easier than it is for someone who's married. Now, Paul didn't say that the married person can't do it, but he says there that, that the interest of the single person, he has nothing else to be in. He has no one else to have to care for, to, take, to, to uh, look to. He just looks strictly to the Lord. And their interests are not divided how to please the Lord and how to please their spouse. Unmarried Christians can devote their energies and time to the service of the Lord without distractions. Now, uh, you know, in talking about single people, and, and I guess it must have been true in Paul's day as it is today. Too often today we look at someone who's, who's an adult and they're single and we wonder, why are you not married? How come you I mean, It's like we think there's something wrong with not being married. Now, seriously, don't we have that attitude? You know, I think I told you a couple of weeks ago about, you know, the guy that, that, that I worked with. And, and I asked him, you know, when he's never been married. And he was like 40 years old. You know, and I said, what's wrong with you? 
You know, and he said, well, are you married? And I said, yes. And he said, well, what's wrong with you? And so you see, but we have that attitude. We have that mentality towards them. And Paul is here is pointing out that, that unmarried Christians can devote their energies and their time and service to God without distractions. And, and Paul wants singles to use their gift to please the Lord. Again, Paul is not denigrating marriage to second best. He wants them, uh, his readers, to see that there are benefits to both. That just because you're married doesn't mean you can't serve God. Just because you're single doesn't mean you can't serve God. But it also means this. He's saying to the married people, don't look to your spouse or to your children as the source of your fulfillment and joy and happiness. Look to the Lord. And he's saying to the single people, just because you don't have anybody else, he says, use all your energies. You find your fulfillment, your joy, and your happiness in the Lord himself. All right. Verse 36. I say this to your own benefit, not to lay a restraint upon you, I'm sorry, verse 36. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his, his betrothed does well. He who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the spirit of God. Paul adds that individuals has, have the freedom to choose in these areas and that either choice may be right. You know, there, there, there are people who God has gifted with marriage. There are people that God has gifted with singleness. And Paul says, good for you. He says, but stop looking at these temporary things and look beyond this at what you can do with this. It's not a sin or obedience choice here. Individual responsibility and freedom mean that none of us have the right to lay down the law to others in such matters. In other words, I cannot stand up here and say to you, it's a sin for you to have a wife or a husband. I cannot stand up here and say to you, what's wrong with you that you're not married? Paul says we don't have the right to do that. He says, because God has gifted each one according to God's purpose. We have freedom in Christ, and our choices may vary in this. <clears throat> so as believers, we are not to sit in judgment on one another in these matters, but to respect one another's freedom within the sovereign will of God as revealed in the Scriptures. But, but let's, let's look at this a minute. That one who is married, husbands, do you love your life, wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it? Wives, do you submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord? Do we raise our children in the love and admonition of the Lord, teaching them how to serve God? That's what a marriage does. 
And as I said, a marriage consists of two sinners that know how to forgive. Because I'll promise you, every day, she needs to forgive me for something. I can promise you. You know what? So do I. And it's when we don't that we run into the trouble. And you say, well, you don't know what he did, or you don't know what she did, and I don't know if I can forgive that. And you know what Jesus said? He says, as God has forgiven you, you forgive. Now, can you imagine me going to God with some particular sin, and God says, oh, hey, wait a minute. I don't know if I can forgive that one. Can you imagine God doing that? No. There is no sin God won't forgive. And, and, and husband, there should not be any sin that you can't forgive. And wife, there should not be any sin that you can't forgive. It's not a matter of can or can't. It's a matter of will or won't. And so, and here's what Paul's saying. In marriage or, or, or singleness, he said, you both have your place. Serve God where he's put you. Serve God in the, in the situation that he has placed you in. And we should enjoy our Christian freedom as, 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 as slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in doing that, whether we're single or whether we're married, we will find our true fulfillment in Christ. Okay, now here's the danger. If you find your fulfillment in anything in this world, including marriage or singleness, you're going to be let down. You know that? You will be let down. If you find your joy, if you find your happiness in your spouse, in your children, in your job, in your church, in your money, in your possessions, you will be disappointed. Our fulfillment is to be found in serving Christ, regardless of where we are. And, and, and like Paul, uh, like this church in Corinth, sometimes we allow these, these minimal things to get in our way. You see, Paul is trying to push them back to the message of the cross and push them to live lives that glorify God in the city of Corinth, but they're messing around with all these little things and letting them get in the way, and the, the, the world outside is looking at them, and they're saying, well, they're no different than we are. They're no different than we are. Look at all these things going on. So being married or single doesn't make you more spiritual. If God has gifted you with a spouse, glorify God in your marriage. If God has gifted you with singleness, glorify God in your singleness. Do everything, Paul says, to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you are a God of forgiveness. That, Father, that if we will come, repent, confess our sins, that you will readily forgive us. We thank you that you have. Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift of marriage. We thank you for the wonderful gift of singleness. And may each one of us, Father, each one that you have called and gifted with marriage, Father, may we love and honor and glorify you through our marriage. Father, for that one who is single, may they love, honor, and glorify you through their singleness. And may we, Lord, keep the main things the main things.
and keep the message of the cross at the forefront.